And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory. So there is a term that we need to consider, and again, it is the great motive, because there is going to be a regeneration. There's going to be a refurbishment. There's going to be a dissolving of this world as we know it. It will be burned up with fire, and God it will prepare for us new heavens and a new earth. Now, this regeneration is much more than just the conversion of a soul. It's much more than the gathering of Jews, and it is much more than a 1,000-year millennium. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. And today we are commencing a brand new series on the second coming of the Lord Jesus. This is a thrilling subject, but it's gospel-related. And that's the emphasis I want to make. I don't want to get into, you know, Russia is Babylon and Chernobyl is the Wormwood. I don't want to get into the speculation. I'm not going to be preaching out of a newspaper. I intend to preach this message from the Bible, the Word of God. And today we have in Matthew 19 and verse 28, these, uh, these words that were in answer to Peter. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. And so on that note, we enter into this whole subject of the second coming of the Lord Jesus. Notice the key word in this passage. The Lord said, in the regeneration, when all things are made anew. And this world will not continue as it is forever, this veil of tears, this place of sorrow and death, of toil and sweat, of pain and misery. This, this world will not go on forever, but rather there's going to be a new world. You might even call it a new world order under the headship, the kingship of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And under that headship, there will be a new world and a new government, a new existence in a place of absolute perfection. And the Lord Jesus said that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Uh, this is the reigning of the believer with Christ. Now, you'll notice, of course, that this regeneration of the earth, of the world, and all things physical that that is to be held in distinction from the doctrine of regeneration of the human heart. The heart of man is sinful. We need to be born again. We need to be regenerated. And our own personal regeneration 
is all wrapped up in the converting work of the power of the gospel to save us. And that is essential to each and every one who will have part in the kingdom of God. But this regeneration of the earth is really a different aspect completely. And that's what we want to deal with today. So I hope you'll open your Bible and join with us as we let the Bible speak today on this very passage and that the Lord will have a message for your own heart and your own soul. The doctrine of the second coming of the Lord Jesus is a word that is needed by every Christian. How could you live the Christian life if you didn't believe that there was life beyond the grave, if you didn't believe that there was heaven and also hell, if you didn't believe that there was a coming again of the Son of God to translate us into a new existence called here a new heavens and a new earth. How shall this take place? All of these things are ahead of us as we deal with these messages day by day, week by week here on Let the Bible Speak. There also will be CDs available for those who would like to have the whole series on the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And I trust that you will be a regular listener and stay with us now today as we turn to our first hymn, All Heal the Power of Jesus' Name. Rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, Blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. So you'll see that this is the great motive. So that's the first major point tonight, that the second coming of the Lord is the motivation of the Christian. And if we do not focus on this, if we have no uh, concern or consideration of the Lord's return, we will lose that motivation. We will lose that, that, that enabling and, and emboldening of our faith because we're not really waiting and watching for the return of our Lord and living every day 
in the full expectation, not necessarily in his imminent return, but in the fact that he will return, and he will return to bless. Blessed are they that are found waiting and watching. So we come now to the miracle. What is this miracle of the gospel? We've had the motive. We come to the miracle. What is this miracle of the gospel? Well, I want to turn you to Matthew 12 and verse 38. Matthew 12, verse 38. And here you'll notice that they were looking for a sign. There were many asking, what will be the sign? And the Lord said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it. But this, what is the sign? Matthew 12, verse 39, but the sign of prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. What is this sign? And people are always looking for signs. And that's the age in which we live today, too. I talk about, you know, these speculative preachers on the second coming. They've got the newspaper in one hand, and they say, this is a sign. What is the sign to the Christian church that the Lord is going to come again? It's His resurrection. The one who rose again from the dead on the third day and ascended to the right hand of the Father has promised that He's coming again. And the guarantee that he is coming is that the tomb is empty. He's risen. He's risen from the dead. Now, the Lord's return is the necessary trigger for the resurrection of believers. And because we're linked to that resurrection, and just as the Lord Jesus has risen from the dead, this is the guarantee that we also shall be raised from the dead. And the whole defense of this is given in 1 Corinthians 15. I'll not get into the details of it here tonight. But the whole argument that if Christ be not risen, our faith is vain. It's nothing. The gospel is just an empty shell. But if Christ be risen, then we shall rise also. But when's that going to happen? Paul said, at the last trump. At the very last trumpet, there's going to be no more events after that day. The resurrection will not happen for Christians. The resurrection cannot take place until that very last sound of the trumpet. And it's not Calvin's trumpet. That's not the trumpet we're waiting for. It's going to be a trump that will sound that every, every soul on earth will hear. Every here we'll hear that call at the last trump, and then the dead in Christ shall rise, and then shall death be defeated, and then shall we sing victory unto the Lamb. Now, the second coming of the Lord is crucial to the hope of the Christian. Because the gospel is all about defeating death, defeating sin, which is the precursor of death. It was sin that brought death into the world. And if the Lord Jesus is the Redeemer of His people, if He's the second Adam to take away the curse of sin, 
The first Adam brought sin and death into the world. If the second Adam is to remove sin and death, then he must come again. And praise God, he is. He's coming again. And the great sign, the great miracle that we look to is that our Lord Jesus is already risen. And no other sign is going to be given. And all that people try to pre predict and speculate, and many have tried it down through the generations. There were many thought that Adolf Hitler was the Antichrist. And I think if we'd been living in those days, we probably would have agreed. And we'd have gone to Bible verse after Bible verse, and you'd say, I can see Hitler in there. I can even see the mustache. But we're wrong. And I don't think the world has had any greater trouble that has come upon it than in the awful trials and sorrows of the Second World War, mainly due to the Nazi regime. Only the fool tries to predict when the Lord is coming. But the sign for us that we can absolutely count on is that our Lord is risen. And if he's risen, we shall rise also. Hallelujah. That's the hope that is in the heart of every Christian. We come now to the Lord's ministry. The point I want to make here tonight is simply this, that as I read through the ministry of the Lord Jesus in the Gospels, almost everything the Lord taught had to do with the coming of his kingdom, the coming again of the Lord Jesus. Now let's look at this uh, quickly and just take a bird's eye view of many of the teachings of the Lord Jesus in the Gospels. Let's start with the Beatitudes. The Lord, uh, Matthew 5 is the Beatitudes, and in verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a kingdom. And in verse 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, how can we understand this inheriting the earth? If it's purely in the, what we call the normal times that we're living in, unless there be what the Lord called the regeneration, unless there come that eternal state, how are we going to inherit the earth? But Christians will. On that day, they will live with Christ and reign with him, and we will inherit not only heaven, but a new earth. And then as you go down to verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And verse 10, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Lord was not telling them they're going to have everything in this world. No, it's another world. It's the kingdom of heaven. And verse 12, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. And so the Christian, even the martyrs, who laid down their lives on this earth, and they'll never walk this earth again until the day the trumpet sounds. Think on that. Those that were persecuted, put to death for Jesus' sake, they'll never have a day on earth until the trumpet sounds. But they're promised something. They're promised here that their reward will be in heaven. What a reward it is.
Thank you for taking the time, joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. And I hope this message on the second coming of the Lord Jesus will stir your heart. Over the next weeks, we'll be dealing with this subject, uh, looking at various aspects of the Lord's return. And I hope that you will join with us day by day as we bring the message of the second coming of the Lord Jesus. And my thrust in this is that it is an essential doctrine to the gospel. We do not believe in the second coming of the Lord just because we want to have hair-raising stories. We know that this is essential. You cannot be saved unless you're raised again from the dead on the resurrection day and presented into glory. And you'll notice that is the very thrust of the message. And so this is an essential doctrine. The Lord is coming. There's going to be a regeneration in the sense of a, a refurbishing of the world, new heavens, new earth. The holy Jerusalem will come down to earth, and there will be an everlasting kingdom. So join with us, please, day by day, and stay with us now as we continue with this message from the pulpit of our church here in Cloverdale. Then there is the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, verse 10, where we are taught to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Now, I know that we can't deduce much more than that there is another kingdom. I don't want to push this any further than that. From the Lord's Prayer, there's another kingdom. And here in the very uh, clear, basic teachings of the Lord Jesus, he taught about another kingdom. Then his parables, Matthew 13. And so many of his parables, our Lord taught about this second coming. The parable of the wheat and the tares, uh, Matthew 13. Uh, the wheat uh, that is sown by the husbandman and the enemy come by night. They sow their tares. They're left to grow together until the end, till the harvest. And if you look on down at verse 36, Matthew 13, well, we are taught here what the Lord said about this. Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the seed, the good seed is the Son of Man, the field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one, the enemy that sowed them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world." The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. And here is the Lord's teaching in, a, in one of his parables, one of his simplest forms of teaching. And then you have in that chapter the parable of the net. If you go to verse 47, you'll get that. And the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full they drew to, drew to shore, and sat down and gathered the good into the vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. And so the Lord, in so many of his parabolic teachings, he sets this forth. What a, a vital part and central part the second coming of the Lord has. In fact, if the doctrine of the second coming is most relevant... And if we want to be relevant, if we want to be relevant, what, why do we do what we do as a Christian today? 
We have to get our eyes on these great things. There's other statements the Lord made. If you go to Matthew 17, verse 26, I'll call it as it was statements. Matthew 17, 26. As it was in the days of Noah. And he's drawing the parallel. Matthew 17, 26. Uh, have I got the right verse here? Um, let me see. It might be Luke. It might be Luke 17. Yes, Luke 17, 26. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. And again, the description, life went on until the fire rained from heaven. And the Lord is teaching, this world in which we live is not going to last forever. There's going to be another time, as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. And then there are the warnings of the Lord. When the Lord said, Fear not him that killeth the body only, but fear him that killeth the soul uh, and the body in eternal fire. Those warnings are also in Matthew uh, 25 and verse 31. And you have the Lord again teaching about the five foolish virgins. We have to be ready. There were five had oil in their lamps and five did not. Now we're going through this very quickly, but I want you to see that the whole ministry of the Lord Jesus is based on this doctrine of the Lord's return. He's coming again. He's going to wind up this world. And when He returns, we better be ready. We better be ready. Are you ready tonight? Have you got your heart right with God? Is your sin forgiven? Have you got oil in your lamp? Are you busy in the Lord's kingdom? Or have you neglected your soul? Or perhaps you've stopped serving the Lord? You've given up on prayer. You've given up on witnessing. You've given up on putting your shoulder to the wheel of the Lord's work. And yet the Lord is coming. Here are his warnings that he gives. There's also in that passage, Matthew 25, the parable of the five talents. And the one who put the five talents to work the one who put two talents to work, and the one who buried his talent. And again, there is the warning that the Lord will come, and he seeks to find us busy in his kingdom. And then I'll close with this, the great commission that is given to the church. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. And so we have this great commission to preach the gospel in light of the wind up of this world. There's an urgency. There's a state of emergency because the Lord is coming again. We don't have endless time. And the church of the Lord Jesus is to be fulfilling the great commission, going into the world and preaching the gospel. There are people yet have never heard the name of Jesus. I must say my heart was very heavy when I was in the country of Malaysia. There were times when, well, there was the bus driver to begin with. 
or the guide that was uh, with us on the bus. The Malaysian government insists that every time people pass in from Singapore into Malaysia, that there is a, an appointed guide who is on the bus. It seems to me a make-work project, but there he is. And of course, he, you know, jokingly tries to interact with people. But it is illegal in Malaysia to attempt to convert a Muslim. You'd be in jail. There was another time at the, at the place we were staying at the door. An opportunity came up to just speak for the Lord. In Canada, we have no fear. We have no laws against giving out the gospel of the Lord Jesus. A few weeks before we arrived in Singapore, there were, uh, I think it was a husband and wife, imprisoned for eight weeks because they had mailed religious literature to a Muslim. Now, the Singapore government is not particularly Muslim, but they have this Religious Harmony Act where you are restricted in approaching or advocating one religion against another. I would like to think that it would be equally applied across the board, but I don't know all the ins and outs of that. Now, here in Canada, praise God, the door is still open. There may be apathy and carelessness that we lament, but we can take the gospel without hindrance. We can go to our neighbors. We can go to this community and give them the gospel and talk to them without them saying, look, we'll call the police on you. We have a work to do, a great commission, because the Lord is coming again, and he's coming to judge, but he's coming to reward his church. And so we'll leave with you tonight the, the, the motive the miracle, and the ministry of Christ, all based on this great fact of the Lord's return. And so I trust that as we go further in this week by week, that the Lord will fill our hearts with the urgency and the zeal for the Lord that we ought to have, and that we will be encouraged as we serve the Lord. Listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca. CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from 
our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music